Hello and welcome to Game and Watch with Aaron and James, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I am Aaron and I'm James. And today we are talking about the movie Thor, directed somehow by Kenneth Branagh, released in April 2011. Uh, It's the first MCU film we've done, Uh, Dark Phoenix Doesn't Count, uh, and it is the fourth MCU film overall in terms of uh, release date. Yeah, from a a real early era of MCU when they were still kind of figuring things out. Yeah, they were still trying to trying to understand how all these movies, I think, could interconnect. Um, and I think they overdid it. And I think this is a case of um, maybe underdoing it. What do you think? I, I don't know. I, I, you know, rewatching it for the first time in quite a while, I completely forgot like Hawkeye was in this. <laughs> yeah. Right. And not even credited, I think. Jeremy Renner, so, not no. credited. And yeah, and, and that's the kind of thing that I would have thought I would have lost my shit over the first time I saw it. But I think I was really skeptical of what they were doing because I think Avengers was on the horizon, maybe two or actually no, the, the following year it came out. And I was excited for that, but I was still not thrilled with what I had been seeing so far. Not Not really disappointed, but not enough to get me excited. Yeah, there was a real strange patch uh, of years before the MCU where superhero films could be great, um, like Batman or Batman Returns, or they could be really terrible. Yeah. Um, so to get something that came out at this time, 2011, it was still a time where it was just kind of a gamble, like Marvel hadn't kind of perfected their formula. Yeah. So the to the state of the MCU, we had Iron Man, Iron Man 2, I believe Iron Man 2. Yes. Captain America, the first Avenger. And no, then. I believe uh, this may have come out before Captain America. I believe they both came out in 2011. They did. Oh, yeah. It might have actually been first. Yeah. Oh, you're right. This, yeah, Captain America was the summer of this year and Thor was first. Which okay. seems very strange to me in retrospect that they would lead with Thor and not Captain America. But very, I guess a big summer movie would make slightly more sense. Very, very strange. And this is sort of like my know, thesis for the for the whole episode, I suppose. And that one thing that I think Marvel has done really well, for the most part, for me as an audience, is get me to care about heroes that I did not previously care about or know anything about at all. Well, one of those two things. So I knew all about Thor before Thor movies, but I didn't care about Thor at all. And I'll tell you right now that at a, like if a if a character involves like the gods or like heavy, heavy magic, I'm usually disinterested. I was more about like Spider-Man and Daredevil. Those are and, and, and the X-Men. I get the, the X-Men kind of get into that kind of crazy territory, but I like I'm, you know, going back and reading Days of Future Past, I think I might have mentioned this in the Dark Phoenix episode, like there's a whole like sequence with Doctor Strange. And I'm like, I don't care about Doctor Strange at all. And I yeah, I'm so totally disinterested in Thor. And I thought that the MCU eventually made me care about Thor. This movie <laughs> did not make me care. Uh, I think this is an interesting artifact from the early MCU uh, because I think this was a time and they're sort of trying it again with things like Shang-Chi and um, Multiverse of Madness 
where each MCU movie could be slightly a different genre. Yeah. Um, Iron Man was kind of analogous to like Batman a little bit. Um, Captain America is that historical fiction bend. Thor is this weird Shakespearean kind of elevated situation. And they tried it again with Dark World, did not work. Um, I think Thor gets fun once Thor gets a sense of humor. Yes. He kind of has that a little bit here. He's a little bit funny and charming. I don't know how much of that is the writing, the directing, Chris Hemsworth himself. Um, but he gets infinitely better when they try to make him funny. So I had a note on this and other, I mean, we have Taika Waititi to thank for the giving Thor a sense of humor. I mean, I guess Chris Hemsworth too, because I think he might've been the one to pull Taika in and he just kind of really jived with Taika's sense of humor. But my note was that Thor is only funny in this movie because they're doing a fish out of water plot. He's not, I, I think that if they weren't doing a fish out of water type plot, that, this movie would be significantly less funny. And that's why, that's why the dark world is not funny and it's not not. very good at all because he's not the fish out of water thing is basically done. Yeah. It's. And to the fish out of water story, those jokes can only go one way and only for a very short period of time. Yeah. Um, And Thor, nothing about him. You're right. Nothing about him in this movie or dark world suggests that like within the context of Asgard where things are normal, he's a funny guy. Right. Um, it, re- it reminds me of on Seinfeld when George and Jerry are having the argument over if Superman <laughs> is super funny because why would yeah. that one area of his brain go undeveloped? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think Thor is super funny in this movie or Dark World. He seems entirely humorless on Asgard. <laughs> yeah, actually, he seems like a real hard ass. He He's a like he doesn't get jokes. Uh, and 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 you you had said something to me yesterday when we were talking about this about how you did you say you like this movie more than iron man i do okay i am in in shock at that i just wanted to make sure that you brought that up today so i'm putting you on the spot for it now i just i'm maybe maybe we can get into it a little bit more if you'd rather talk about it in in a bit but i that blows my mind we can yeah we can should we do a segment at the end thor versus iron man one <laughs> sure i'm not okay. really prepared to do it but i'll i'll uh i'll i mean i'm not i'm not trying to argue i just i really want to hear your case I, there's a case let me just let me let me ponder a bit and then i'll be ready by the end of the episode don't worry okay those are fighting <laughs> okay. words i'm ready for a fight <laughs> i don't want to fight with you but how did we get here Oh, goodness. Uh, it took a long time. It took a very long time. A Thor project was in development hell since around 1997, along with a lot of other Marvel properties. Um, I believe Sony owned the rights to many of them, including Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know there was a very low budget Fantastic Four movie made. I know there was a low budget Captain America film uh, made, I believe, in the early 90s. They had no idea what they were doing. And again, this is a time when you could have Batman Returns but then you could have a made for TV movie about Captain America. That was horrible. (laughs) Yeah. So Sam Raimi originally wanted to do a Thor film. Um, I think it's interesting that kind of from day one, Sam Raimi was really into the the idea of doing a superhero film with a big budget. Um, But studios quote, did not understand it. uh, Unsurprisingly. Also, if you think about some of the things Sam Raimi was involved in in the 90s, um, big Hercules <laughs> Legendary Journeys producer. <laughs> so I can kind of see where he might have been coming from. Um, but I can also see a big budget studio seeing Hercules the Legendary Journeys and not really wanting to give him a huge paycheck. Oh, my, like 
watching Hercules' legendary journeys like a Thor version of that would have been unbearable. Well, but so, really but, funny. But Just would have been a movie. How bad it, yeah, would have been well, a movie though. Like, right, instead, but you take that same energy and you make it a movie. It's not going to be any better. It's just shorter. But instead, we did almost get a Thor TV show uh, <laughs> that probably would have been like a Hercules, the Legendary Journeys. Yeah, uh, this was after 2000s X Men. Uh, that's kind of the movie along with Spider Man that put serious kind of superhero movies on the map again. Um, so because of the success of 2000s X Men. They wanted to do a more serious attempt at making a Thor TV show. Can I give you some details? I would love some. Well, uh, it was going to be on the UPN network. <laughs> so we've got that. We got that going on. The network acclaimed for such shows as Veronica Mars. And I can't think of anything else. <laughs> okay. Can you think of anything that's on UPN? Uh, reruns of Martin. Well, I'm thinking of original programming. Obviously, oh, uh, Greg the, was Greg the Bunny on. Oh no, that was Fox. Never mind. Yeah. Damn. Well, no, then no, I cannot. Oh, Thor Tilt. And Mar- hmm? Tilt. I, or no, no, not. Do you remember the show Shasta McNasty? Yes, I think, I think that was. I think that was UPN. Okay, Couldn't so tell you what that was about, but that's the something that you know, like an eight-year-old boy's eyes see on like the TV guide, yes. and they're like, "What is that?" We got Thor, we got Shasta McNasty, and we got Veronica Mars. What a what a what a network trio they make. Um, <laughs> only they had Thor. Only, only it would have starred Tyler Maine. Um, I did not know who this was. I had to look it up. Uh, he's the guy who played Sabretooth in X Men. Ah, okay. And I I googled him with a haircut. He's played he um, pretty... Mike Myers too. He's he like would... the modern Michael Myers, right? He would like be Rob a good Zombies. Thor. I, I don't know if I know what he looks like. He's always like under makeup or matte. Right. Or With a haircut, I, I, he looks like a very intense Thor. Okay. He looks like a humor, a humorless Thor, even more so humorless than this Thor that we get. And well, that's not something we needed is a more humorless no. Thor. Yeah. No, but um, so things geared up in 2006. Um, Mark Protosovich, he is a Eastern European last name. I'm sorry. Protosovich. Uh, submitted a script which was polished by J. J. Michael Stranchnitsky. Another sounds also Eastern European. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys, if you're listening. Gosh, I botched your last names. <laughs> um, tell us about directing duties, Matthew. Um, Van, 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 Matthew Never Vaughn. Heard of <laughs> Never heard of him. Uh, of X Men First Class and the Kingsman fame. He was originally tapped to direct, but he eventually dropped out, as did Guillermo del Toro, who I actually think could have done a better job on this movie than Kenneth Branagh. I completely agree. And I think it was funny because when I was reading this fact, he dropped out to direct The Hobbit, which he also famously did not direct. <laughs> Oh right, which also oh, right. would, which also would have been better than the Hobbit we got. I think it would have been, but the thing is, at the time, it as much as I love Guillermo del Toro, I I was like, as Peter, if it's in Peter Jackson's hands, that's great. I did not expect what was going to happen as a result of that. Um, that well, so we'll save that for listen, when we do our episode on the desolation of Slough. Never do an episode on that series, <laughs> but go on. Um. So, yeah, so Kenneth Branagh, we landed on Kenneth, uh, old Ken, uh, who was apparently a fan of the comic as a child and was asked to direct due to the Shakespearean nature of the film and source material, which is, it makes so much sense. I mean, when I, I could have told you that at the time, having sat through 
his four hour, four and a half hour Hamlet in English in high school. So I'm going to give you a little, a little Hamlet Kenneth Branagh action on my part. Okay. Not, not only did I watch with rapt attention, the four hour version of Hamlet, um, because the, the VHS of it is so expensive. I actually bought a copy of it on DVD in college, um, and own it to this day, uh, and have seen it multiple times. I love the Kenneth Branagh four hour version of Hamlet. I remember enjoying like parts of it. I just, it was too damn long. It's very long. It's not like an in one sitting film for sure. Um, But I just, he, it just drips with Shakespeare. You know, a lot of people are maybe intimidated by it, but Shakespeare is really just kind of like trash cinema uh, for for (laughs) that period. Um, it's very like salacious and crazy and ridiculous. So that's kind of what I associate with uh, Shakespeare much in the same way. The Asgardian stuff here is very like heightened and theatrical and like kind of very shoddy logic, but I go with yeah. it because um, it has this, this elevated Shakespearean quality. You know, what doesn't anything else in the film. <laughs> Do you think Jane has a lot of Shakespearean elevation to her? Sure. Sure. Doesn't. No, no, yeah. no. Uh, Kenneth had some kooky ideas, though. Um, can we talk yeah. about Kenneth's kooky ideas? So, so he wanted to work with Tom Hiddleston. Well, and, he but had. Like, as, as, sorry, he, sorry. He wanted Tom Hiddleston to be Thor, right? Which is... That would have been terrible. Which is crazy. He's, um, he's a fantastic Loki. He is an excellent Loki. I wonder if it was something where his agent was like, you have to give him an audition as Thor. um or something like that but just imagine physically like just the physicality even if tom hiddleston got you know jacked he's not that tall no um it would they would have to pull tom cruise and shoot him from low angles and give him lifts and things like that it would be a little silly yeah but chris hemsworth then 25 was chosen to play thor and he also auditioned against his brother liam which is pretty funny yeah and he wasn't originally picked uh he got picked after um other people were gone through i don't do you know the alternative casting there do you know who like were the first two choices like or aside from tom hiddleston like who did the studio actually want no i i really don't i just read that chris hemsworth was not he was like a second Hmm. choice okay that got bumped up to first choice i don't know would you say that the scientific dialogue in this movie is accurate or sounds well, like accurate. <laughs> well, accurate. I don't know. It sounds accurate because they uh, found actual physicists and physics students to consult with about the jargon that would be used. Um, and I found this amusing about depictions of the rainbow bridge and travel via the Bifrost and what wormholes would look like. Um, so imagine being a physics student who only understands these concepts through the lens of math and formulas and numbers and letters and artistic types who know nothing about that world asking you to say, explain it to them in a picture. Yeah. Um, and round and round, they probably went. You know, I saw your note on this. My first thought was, I mean, ignorant as I am, like this isn't something that needed to be scientifically, remotely scientifically accurate. No. And I think they could have, they could have done without that. I mean, that's, I would have just written some shit ass dialogue that sounded fancy and just been called it a day. I guess I think maybe part of their motivation and I read other things to this effect uh, reading about the film was that they really wanted to humanize Thor in terms of, you know, their gods is lowercase G, not uppercase G. 
um, they can still get hurt. Bad things can still happen to them. Um, so I mean, making it more accurate scientifically grounds the world Thor's in, I guess. It's a very Kenneth Branagh idea, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's been a good episode. It's been. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Done here. Yeah. All right. What's next? Yeah. Well, one last thought is um, so one of the producers did say um, they wanted the story to be about how an Old Testament God, again, we, we kind of said God, lowercase g, becomes a New Testament God. Um, and did they succeed? I don't know. What do you think? Did they succeed in this? I, I'd say their ambitions are irrelevant. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's I really, very fair. I really, uh, this is a very, this is a lukewarm. I wouldn't say this is a bad movie. It's I'm lukewarm on it. Um, tepid. Tepid, yes. Um, I guess critics also felt the same way. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score is 77%, though I think Rotten Tomatoes is stupid and doesn't matter. Uh, and IMDb is 6.7, also a stat that I don't pay attention to. But, you know, it, it's I guess it's it's in line with, you know, how I feel about it. Uh, interesting enough, this was back before Roger Ebert started having some health issues. Um, Ro- uh, Ebert and Roper did their, you know, review of it. And they were pretty uh, opposite sides of the spectrum. Shockingly so. And I used to love when they did their TV show together uh, years and years ago when they would have, you know, I would love when they'd be in agreement, but I would love when they would just have like deep philosophical problems uh, with their, with each other's opinions on movies. And I think this is one of them. Can I share with you? Well, do you want to read, you have quotes from them. Do you want to read them? And then I will tell you my thoughts on Richard Roper. Yeah. All right. So Roper said, quote, thanks in large part to a charming, funny and winning performance from Australian actor Chris Hemsworth in the title role. Thor is the most entertaining superhero debut since the original Spider-Man, end quote. So that's (laughs) Roper. Pretty high on it. We have Ebert. Quote, Thor is a failure as a movie, but a success as marketing, an illustration of the ancient carnival tactic of telling the rubes anything to get them into the tent. End quote. Okay, so pretty, pretty accusatory, honestly, for Ebert. And maybe he already knows this about himself, but Richard Roper to me is your mainstream critic who speaks the language, who who goes out of his way to speak the language of the average audience goer. Ebert was completely unconcerned with that, and his writing on film is incredible richard roper is kind of a hack and (laughs) i do not i generally do not agree with his opinions even on movies that he loved and i loved i read his reviews sometimes usually i don't but when i used to especially i would see him write about a movie i liked i'm like i got a completely different thing out of this movie than you did like yeah obviously you say the performances are great i agree but like i took something different away from this movie than you did i i don't i do not like him and I'm with uh, Ebert on this one. Ouch. Okay, so Ebert, I mean, again, Ebert's making it accusatory. Do you feel like there was any deception in this film? Like, were no. You tra- yeah, that's no. When I, I when I say I'm with him, I just mean I'm on that side of the spectrum more. I, I don't think that Ebert, like, I mean, I, again, I do not hate this movie at all. Um, would I have watched it again? 
um, if you hadn't suggested doing it, because we're here also because I mean, we, we talked about doing a Marvel movie and I think it's more interesting to do a movie like this than to do like an Veterans Ed game. Right. Like, yeah, 100%. Or, you know, or, or a movie that we both like. I mean, we might end up feeling the same way about one of these, but this is like it's again, it's early Marvel. I find that to be very fascinating, especially given what we know now about where we are and like how that, you know, the the infinity gauntlet phase ended. Um, and, you know, again, yeah, it's, it's more interesting to talk about movies that uh, might be more polarizing. Also, I mean, I guess we should also say if if you're keeping track and you're thinking, hey, they're not doing a video game episode this week. We know we're going to next week. We're going to do one this week, but our guest got COVID. Wait, we're not covering the 2011 Thor video game <laughs> adaptation. Was there one? No. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Um, wow, that, what a fascinating artifact that would be. That would, yeah, we should have done that instead, but um yeah. We will be we will be back next week with a with a video game that we are all very excited to talk about. We won't spoil it here. Um, but I also maybe this is a good time to say that we are going to try. Well, maybe we won't try anymore. We can't keep up the with the schedule of doing a video game every other week. It's just it's too, too it's too hard. I know it's not classy to blame the audience, but I'm going to blame the audience for not just, watching the Grinch. It, it really took the wind out of her <laughs> sales. Yeah. And then you're just eating up these episodes. You're demanding more games. You're just, it's when's <laughs> enough enough. For me. Let's not pretend like we have an audience. <laughs> audience base. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we're, you know, we've th- tossed around some ideas. We'll, we'll figure it out. But I mean, you know, it's, it might turn into be something. It, it might be something like one video game a month and two or three movies. We'll see. We'll try to keep putting out episodes every week when we can. It just might not be. It's probably not going to be a video game every other week. Yeah. And at least one episode a month will be good. I can't speak for the rest. <laughs> we try to do one good one a month. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your history with this movie? So, uh, again, this is kind of a weird time for superhero films. You know, 20. Sure 20, is. 8, 9, 10, 11. The MCU, as we said, didn't really exist in its current form. It was still kind of being, you know, shelled out. Um, I was a big fan of the Nolan Batman films. Um, the Dark Knight had been released by this time. That's correct, right? We were uh, we were waiting for Dark Knight Rises. We got a note on that. Yeah, I, all I yeah. cared about was Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight I didn't give Rises. a shit about Captain America or Thor at this time. Uh, so I saw Iron Man. Um, I was not a big fan of Iron Man. I saw Iron Man 2. I was an even less fan of Iron Man 2. Yeah. So I kind of had written the MCU off. Uh, Thor was coming out, though, and I knew Captain America was coming out. And I think I remember thinking what a weird superhero Thor was and thinking that they were going to do it like, you know, he crash lands in like Brooklyn and is, you know, like a wise street talking guy or something. (laughs) It would be very stupid. They kind of gave us that. um, But they also gave us like Asgardian trappings to things. Um, I had heard that Kenneth Branagh was directing. And as I said, I love Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh Hamlet. I've seen him in other Shakespeare performances. I love Kenneth Branagh. Um, so it got me intrigued enough to actually see the film. I saw that. And then I saw Captain America. Um, and then I saw the first Avengers film. Uh, I loved all those. And back in the day when I would really like a movie, I'd want to see multiple times. I would buy it on DVD because that's what you did then. So I owned Thor, Captain America and the Avengers. I would watch those, you know, every once in a while when I had an itch to watch something superhero themed. 
oh and of course the batman films um mm-hmm. but specifically mcu films those um so i'd seen thor many yeah. times and captain america one many times and the avengers one many times and you know i don't think it's a great film i just think it's a film i've seen a lot i think it's interesting now i think watching it after having not seen it for years i noticed huge things that never stood out to me yeah in 2011 2012 2013 like his beard and how blonde he is and how fake it looks uh those always stood out there's something that will get to that completely went over my head that now i see it and cannot unsee it but well, I, I look forward to hearing about that yeah i uh, i have a soft spot for the character of thor i think even when he's being self-serious like in this movie i think chris hemsworth makes him very charming and kind of fun um even when he's being a total dick he still has some likability to him which again like i don't know how much of that is direction i don't know how much of that is chris hemsworth i don't know how much of that is the script but I would say probably Chris Hemsworth, his performance adds a lot to it. And so, especially by the time Thor 3 gets around and though that era of the MCU gets around, um, I think he's fun and a funny character and I like him quite a bit. Okay. And plus you also have a history with liking Norse mythology. I do like Norse mythology. Yeah. I've always loved Greek, Roman, Norse mythology, all that kind of stuff. I was thinking about that while I was watching this. I was wondering if you if that made you like this movie more or if it had no effect. So I, um, no, oh, sorry, go ahead. I I, that, I, that, I meant to say that as a way of like, I hope you pepper it in throughout, but I, you're right. I, I, it was an open-ended question. <laughs> tell me what you, tell me what you think about it now. <laughs> no, I mean, basically um, they get into some more Norse mythology and Thor Ragnarok, but I mean, in this film, basically Thor equals God of Thunder, Loki equals mischief. That's really most of what you need to know. And Odin equals all father. And that's kind of, it, it's that's about it that's the only analogy you need okay yeah so i skipped this one in theaters i saw iron man one and two in theaters two was an incredible letdown one was fantastic i bought that on dvd immediately and rewatched it tons and tons of times and i was just way more interested in dark knight rises which now i would say uh, I've liked later. less and less and less every single time I watch it. And it might, I might like it as uh, little as I like this movie again, not to say I, I hate this movie or hate dark Knight rises. I just think there are a lot of problems with both of them. Um, I, yeah, I, I was really, I, I don't remember if I skipped captain America, the first Avenger, but I know I definitely skipped this one did not see in theaters. I was not interested. And even when Avengers came out the year after, and I loved that movie, I found Thor to just be annoying. I'd seen Thor by that, by this, by the time Avengers came out, but I was really not. I just, I I don't like the like self-entitled, like, or, you know, proper sounding. I, I get what, what I get what it is. I get what the point is. It's just, it's not music to my ears. I like, I liked everyone ripping on him. That was fun. You know, Tony calling him point break. That's funny, but yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'll just say right now, a lot. So this movie, I mean, scenes are in Asgard, or in more, you know, other realms other than Midgard, or they're on Earth, and I like everything on Earth more than everything that happens everywhere else. And I have a feeling you feel the opposite. Really? Yeah. I feel completely opposite. Yeah, I've I find I find basically everything that happens off Earth to be stiff and pretty lifeless other than the other than loki and and actually anthony hopkins who i think gives a 
a great performance and Loki, you know, Loki's just fantastic, but I'm just, I just do not care about Thor, you know, being cast out. And I mean, I mean, the idea of him being cast out is fine, but just the, the events that take place off earth, I just are, they just, they bore me. Can, um, can you go find a stick, please? Did you find one? Yeah, it was up my ass. Oh, no, 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 no. I was going to say so we can draw her line in the sand. Oh. <laughs> um, because there's a real line in the sand now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had, I, that, this I was very, very sure we were going to disagree on. Yeah. Yeah. That's bold. That's big and bold. Anything else about your history with the movie that's amazing that you hate for some reason? Any, anything else? About the movie you unjustly dislike? Uh, no. Is there something that you're expecting me to say? No. no. Okay. Shall we get on with it? Yeah, let's get on with it. All right. This amazing movie opens in beautiful New Mexico, right? We're following a well-acted physicist team featuring nuanced character Jane Foster. <laughs> charming you, assistant you Darcy. so bitter. Played Is by Kat Dennings. You're just like change. You're just changing everything you're going to say now. You're just going to be really aggressive against any Earth people. In this movie. And the always witty Dr. Eric Selvig, played by a Sarsgaard. Stellan Sarsgaard. Know your Sarsgaards and re- show some respect. Uh, they're 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 a dime a dozen in Hollywood these days. These Sarsgaards. <laughs> Um, they are chasing after an astronomical anomaly. Um, even though they're physicists, they behave like storm chasers and it's never clarified why, mm-hmm. except for this one incident, but nothing like this has ever happened before. Um, a sky beam comes down, uh, you know, a beam of light in an MCU movie comes down from the sky. It's crazy. <laughs> it's never happened before. Um, although I guess this movie can't be punished for the sins of later movies. It was still early in the MCU. So can't get too mad at it, but um, it obscures the area. There's a lot of dust and and cloud and they hit an unsuspecting Thor um, played by Chris Hemsworth with their van. Yeah. You know, I do have another sin, a sin that's greater than all of the sins that I said before. There are too many fucking Dutch angles in this movie. Yeah. I can't stand it. I meant to write a note about that. A lot of Dutch angles, a lot of Dutch angles right out of the gate. I forgot about that. And there's just in this opening scene. There's like every other shot, if not every shot is a Dutch angle. And I'm like, Oh my God. Um, I have a For two hours. That. We're going to have this come on. I have a theory about that. What? So the Dutch angles, if I remember correctly, are only on earth. And no, I think it's be they're not. No, no. Okay. I, I anticipated that you might say that. <laughs> well done. <laughs> on guard. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, they are used less or more often on Earth. I'll give you that. Definitely more gotcha. often. And then not just because kind of the ratio of Earth to Asgard scenes. I mean, they, they are just used much more on Earth. Um, but no, they're they're used both. And it's weird. I, I I don't I mean, I'm not familiar enough with Kenneth Branagh's directing style, but I can't I don't think that's probably part of his repertoire. I just I don't I'm not a good enough um, at film. It's been a long time since I took film studies to know like the, why the Dutch angle is implemented other than to kind of throw the audience off balance. This opening scene is not one of those types of scenes. 
as much um, as I loathe the well, as much as I like, I well, I loathe the use of Dutch angles and like the Grinch, Jim Carrey Grinch adaptation. At least it its use there makes sense, despite the fact that it's like nauseating. <laughs> Here, I don't think it makes any sense in this movie. Yeah, Jim Carrey's the Grinch. Yeah, um, I think I may know why. Um, this is just a complete theory. It's my okay. Mechanic. And I mean, it would point to it if the Dutch angles only occurred on Earth, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I wondered if it was a throwback to like 50s alien films, um, both the location mm. in New Mexico, uh, the creature that they fight at the end. That's very Day the Earth Stood Still inspired. Yeah, very. Um, and the fact that they're cosmic researchers. I almost wondered if he was hard. And the town is like a very 1950s kind of looking. Oh, yeah. Town. So I wonder if almost it was intentional homage to old alien movies because again, Thor is, he's an alien. He's just a guy from a different planet. That's different from earth, but in the same universe, he's not a God. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of wonder if there was that kind of intentionality. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So we cut to credits. We've got Odin suddenly giving a voiceover about, you know, your brief elevator pitch type, nine realms as guardians this humans this humans worshiped as guardians as gods who protected them from the frost giants and other threats and then after defeating the frost giants odin and the asgardians returned to asgard and exiled themselves from the other realms so they say yeah so they say but then thor's just bopping around other realms and talking about all the fights he's been in places yeah so is that just odin doesn't care or is that i don't know it was tiny it was a tiny little thing but it seems strange to establish Thor's character pretty quickly as he's bouncing around being a, a dick in all the other realms, except yeah. um, by saying they shut themselves off. It's just a little weird. So we've got a very quick moment of, of a young Thor and Loki who are hearing kind of this narration, this story from their father, Odin, who's showing them the frost giant treasure, uh, this blue magical cube with ice powers. And so they really... Uh, managed to fit in some horrible child acting in just a quick 30 seconds <laughs> see here's the thing though can we I'm, I'm gonna go to bad for some of the bad acting in asgard again i think asgard is meant to exist as like a heightened shakespearean yeah like theatrical sure. you're supposed to kind of see behind the curtain a little bit and so i think having the children just be like little mini me's of how they look as adults like just spewing like this is my character trait i think it kind of works uh, so sort of here's here's what i'll say the best uh well the, the only like asgardian line delivery that doesn't annoy me are thor's friends and odin everything thor says annoys me except when he's being normal on earth and connecting with jane i think he puts on a d- too fake deep voice but yeah, That's... I mean, I, I guess the Loki is a little better. It's just the 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 show Bodhi Thor is just a real real pain. <laughs> well, he he would not be a wise king, now would he? Because Odin <laughs> right. tells him a wise king must never seek out war. Yeah. Um, so we're in present day. Thor is going to be named Odin's successor. Which seems odd because as a small child, nothing led you to believe he would change his ways and <laughs> seemingly hasn't, but Odin's still fine. 
it's literally uh-huh. like someone snapped and that little shitty brash boy that we just saw just suddenly became Chris Hemsworth's Thor and yeah. never grew up at all. No, no. <laughs> but he still earned Mjolnir his hammer, yeah. um, which, as we later find out, is the source of his power at this point. So Odin has found him to be worthy enough of all of this power. So clearly he's on the right track. Yeah. Um, but he's acting like a real dick. Uh, he's like winking and cracking wise with people. Very self-entitled. Very self-entitled. And his mother and Sif, they kind of roll their eyes at them. Uh, but what else is going on as well, this ceremony is underway? You mean what's going on behind the scenes with Sif and Thor? Because I want to know. I feel Ooh. like we, Sif gets like a couple like shots. We get a, a, some looks at Sif in this where she reacts to Thor. And I just was like, I'm, I feel like I'm reading so much into this, but I'm like Sif and Thor have hooked up before. I could see that. I really think so. They never faint toward like. No, of... they, they don't do anything outright. No. But I don't know. I could uh, see it. I could see fan fiction about it. Yeah. I, I, oddly, I, I, I didn't, am, in fact. Oh, well, I hope so. I didn't find any, but I also, I mean, I there's there's so much. We'll just say that right now. There's a ton. Uh, I did, you know, I, I might've gone down one path that, that you might've gone down. Um, So the Frost Giants, as during this kind of like Thor ceremony is happening, have broken into Asgard to steal this ice cube treasure. They do fail, but it interrupts the ceremony and Thor is not declared on successor, never goes through. And this, that's when you first see that um, the destroyer, the day that earth stood still ask robot that you mentioned before kills the invading frost giants. Pretty cool looking. I do like the design of this very much. Yeah, I wish I knew how much of that came from the original comics and how much was developed for this film. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did I, not read Thor comics. I could find out, but I'm not going to. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Thor in a classic Thor fashion wants to retaliate immediately. And Odin's like, calm down, cool your jets. The threat's <laughs> over. You know, they're all dead. And Odin admits to Thor, I don't think Thor knew this before, that he has a truce with Laufey, the king of the Frost Giants, which deeply upsets Thor. And Loki kind of goads Thor, because he's a trickster, into going to Jotunheim to fight the Frost Giants. Yeah, he pulls he pulls the like younger brother who's like, yeah, mom and dad are being such a pain, like, you're so right, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, and it works completely. And immediately you kind of see that Loki is up to something. Yeah. So Thor, uh, Loki, Lady Sif and the Warriors 3, Hogan, Frandel, and Volstagg head to the Bifrost Bridge to take the flight uh, to, to, go to, to go to the Frost Giant world. It's Jotunheim, right? It is Jotunheim. Jotunheim, okay. And the, that's when we first see Heimdall, uh, played by Idris Elba the all-seeing gatekeeper of Asgard. Uh, He said he normally wouldn't let them go, but he's very curious how the Frost Giants could get in Asgard without him knowing about it. And so he lets them go. Thor confronts Laufey there, and, you know, Laufey's like, we don't want to repeat the horrors of war. Why don't you just honor this truce? Thor is clearly looking for a fight. Laufey doesn't want to give him one. Loki eventually convinces him to go, but as he's going, Laufey insults him and calls him a princess. Which well, it's actually not even Luffy. It's one of Luffy's giants. Was it? Really? It was one of Luffy's giants, I, I believe. So. Oh, I, I missed that. Um, I guess that makes more sense. It would have been weird if Luffy was like being 
you know, reasonable and then said, fuck you. But Thor, uh, who is very uncomfortable um, being called a princess. Which Thor, come on, guy. Come on, I man. know it's 2011, but like get in touch with your feminine side. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, and a battle takes place. The battle is fine. Yeah, I, I like it. I think everyone gets their own little, you know, shows off their little tricks. Yeah. Everyone on the team gets like a fun moment, I guess. Um, I think the action here is not terrible. It's not. Um, I think it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's serviceable maybe because there's, this is a very slow talking movie and there isn't actually a ton, ton of action. Yeah. So I think when it does pop up, I'm more likely to like it or pay attention to it with the exception of a very clumsy fight at the end of the movie. Uh, yeah. We'll get to it. It's a, would you say it's like one of the most anticlimactic fights in the MCU? I would, you know what? I've never seen a list like that. I would love to read it and I would absolutely put that fight on there. I, I don't, in my one that I'm trying to create very quickly in my head, I can't, I don't know if I can think of one that beats that as the worst. Um, That said, but it takes place on earth. So it's better. Uh, Yeah. Yes. No, I'll even, I'll admit it's, it's not great. Um, So during this scene, Loki is grabbed by a frost giant, but it does not freeze him like it does. I think Volstagg gets, maybe I think it's Volstagg gets, gets yeah. frozen when he gets touched by a frost giant. Um, and instead he just turns blue like a frost giant would, which is like very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Dang. Odin shows up to rescue them at the last minute. There's, a, I'll just mention two cool things as part of this sequence that I, I did enjoy. One, Thor flying through that monster's throat when he gets his hammer and the other there's there is a good a couple good shots of the bifrost bridge and they're not dutch angle shots so there's some pretty pretty cool looking um there's like there's shots where there's like they're on like the bridge they're really tiny and you kind of see the bridge at the bottom of the frame and what kind of all the whole background behind it's it's pretty cool you're a real frame guy you like single frames i like single frames well, what does Odin, what does he tell him? What does he do? He casts Thor out. He strips Thor of all of his power. Um, he basically just said, you just threw us back into war with the with the frost giants. And, you know, sends him down to earth, takes his, takes his hammer and also kind of whispers like a spell to Mjolnir and says, you know, whoever, you know, is worthy will be able to wield the power of Thor. Sends him, yeah, sends him down, sends Thor, uh, the hammer after him. So, yeah, and this is partly in the film where I think the Shakespearean nature of it works because this is a very, I like very, this part. Yeah, this is a yeah. very Shakespearean plot that you would strip your prince of his status, cast him out, and then slip a magical hammer for him to find to teach him a magical lesson, which is essentially what's happening here. Yeah. I like all of that. I think if you think about this movie, the time frame of it doesn't make any sense. He learns <laughs> how to be a good person and a good prince in like a day and a half. Yeah. Wouldn't happen, but again, like in Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet takes place over the course of like two days. True. Um, Timelines are very truncated in these kinds of stories. So I kind of get it. Well, if it's one thing we've learned from movies is that if you need to redeem yourself, all you need to do is offer. You don't even actually have to go through with it. You just need to offer to sacrifice yourself for someone else. And And then you just are suddenly worthy. How many of those offers are actually followed through upon? Would you say that? (laughs) Yeah, not many. And would you right? say that basically all the characters in the town at the end do something worthy enough to wield Mjolnir? 
Probably like Eric, Eric Selvig should get me on there for helping, you know, escort people out of the town. Um, no, 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 no. The, the power no. would go straight to his head. He couldn't handle it. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Plus, he's very easily corruptible. So exactly. we get we get a cut to Earth. where kind of back to the beginning sequence where the physicist crew is has hit Thor. There's a good line. Well, I, I like these. I, I basically like lines where they're thirsting after Thor. Like Cat Dennings is like, does he need CPR? Because I totally know CPR. I I like those lines. Well, um, uh, we'll get to that. Well, I mean, I don't like her as a character, and I'm actually not really a fan of Kat Dennings. Um, sorry, when I say I don't like her as a character, I'm talking about her kind of overall trajectory as part of the MCU in that she's a political scientist, but suddenly becomes like a super smart genius just by picking things up secondhand from Jane Foster and Eric Selvig. And then by the time WandaVision comes along, like she's fucking genius. I get that it's like after like the Thanos blip and stuff, but I don't know. I just don't quite buy that she's become, becomes as smart as she does. I was just going to talk about them talking sugar about Thor. I wasn't going to say anything about Darcy or Kat Dennings. Oh, well, you I brought did. us into a real, a real Darcy tangent, didn't you? <laughs> I did. What do you think about my Darcy um, take? Unreasonable? I think your Darcy take is 100% correct. And I, oh, I, okay. think, I think you nailed it in one. All right. I mean, again, just because I like the stuff that's happening on Earth doesn't mean that I have to like every character that's on Earth. True. Um, um, so, yeah, so they run into him. We catch up with present day. Uh, we get a shot of Mjolnir uh, crashing in the desert nearby. Um, Mjolnir, right? Mjolnir. 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 Yeah. Mjolnir. You got it. Mjolnir. No, no. Okay. I, I just, Edgar cold. and I wound up saying it. Mjolnir. Um, Edgar, Edgar and I wound up saying it 20 times until I lost all sense of what it even sounds like. Um, so you, we get a scene where some people come out, they find this hammer in the desert, um, they try and pick it up and they can't. Uh, we then cut to this science jargony scene where all the physicists, they're kind of talking about like Thor may have used a wormhole to get to Earth. Yeah. Um, but it's all very like, oh, Einstein, Rosenbridge, blah, 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 science. Yeah. Um, so they decide they have to go back to the hospital to get Thor's kind of witness statement, I guess. Yep. And they hit him again with their truck uh, because he has escaped. Yep. I like also when he's in the hospital and he's like throwing a tantrum and they just put a shot of whatever morphine or some tra- tranquilizer into his butt. Yeah. I like, that too. <laughs> I like Thor being put in his place. Uh, that's what I that's what I enjoy. It happens so rarely. Yeah um we get a fun stan lee cameo do you want to tell us about the stan yeah i I like i like any instance in the mcu of people trying to pick up thor's hammer i enjoy the idea that a hammer cannot be picked up by anyone unless they're worthy obviously there's that huge payoff in uh that starts in um age of ultron that pays off fully in endgame it's wonderful i love the locals showing up trying to take turns pulling his hammer out uh stan lee is uh playing a character in a pickup truck that's trying to uses a car to, to pull the hammer up and it just like breaks the pickup truck. I um I usually remember Stanley's cameos. Um I had completely forgotten this one. Same. And it gave me a genuine laugh of delight. Yeah, I agree. It's one of the better ones. Yeah. Yep. Um so Shield shows up to to ruin the party for everyone. Yep. Um yeah. So Shield is gonna shut this place down, kind of turn it into their son of Cole. Tell us what's going on in your favorite place, Asgard. <laughs> you just go. Do I have to do all the Asgard segments? Cover all the Asgard aspects <laughs> just, of the story now. Sure. No, no, I can do. I can do them. I can do them. 
No, I mean, no, I, I can, I can Shall do I? it. I, I can do it. Um, All right, all right. So I think this is the point where Loki, well, Loki is pretending to be upset by Thor's banishment and Thor's friends are pretty upset. And, and Loki confesses that he's the one that told Odin where they were going and just to result, it resulted in Odin saving them, but clearly it's part of Loki's greater scheme. Hogan mentions that Laufey's comment that there are traitors in the house of Odin. And right, something he had mentioned and they, yeah. during the fight were like, ha no, you're a liar. And it is not like it's any big twist that Loki is the traitor. That it's Volstag. <laughs> it's Volstag. <laughs> that son of a bitch. So Loki goes into the vault and touches the ice cube and realizes that he is a frost giant because he does not get harmed by it. And he confronts Odin about this immediately. Odin tells him he was rescued as a baby at the end of the war with Asgard uh, and that he's the son of Laufey. Double whammy. Yeah. Um, So, you know, Odin does care about him as he would one of his true sons. He was hoping that Loki would be able to help bring peace but so Loki basically forces Odin to admit that he had an extra motive in taking Loki as a baby. Uh, really yeah. kind of hope he could use him down the line. I mean, I read it more, you're right to a degree. I read it more as like you, like anyone, like you, like your brother Thor could also maybe bring peace. I mean, uh, I, I see what they're I, saying, but I don't, I don't think it was as manipulative as Loki gets upset as. I, I think it is, it's kind of, I mean, I believe that the, the love is genuine, but I do think that Odin, I, I think that it's like a, yeah, I took you, I thought, but in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, this could also maybe be helpful. Like it's like a secondary reason, not the main reason, but damn, that's, that's how I read it. Loki's uh, pissed and Odin enters the Odin sleep for plot reasons, what is the Odin sleep? Is that a is that a thing, like a, in Viking mythology, Norse mythology? I mean, yeah. So Odin, um, there are a couple times where Odin has had to uh, sleep or in some way uh, like diminish himself. Like he gains the gift of magic and foresight from hanging himself from a tree for I think nine days. So I think the Odin sleep is a real thing. Um, I think it's a way for him to like recharge himself when he's diminished. Do you think that the movie doesn't do enough for people, for audience members who have no idea what that is? Because to me, like when I first saw it, I was like, this is ridiculous. What, oh, what, you haven't what read a convenient... Norse mythology before you, before you watched Thor? I sure didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's silly and comes off as very strange. Even if you know Norse mythology, it just, it sounds goofy. Yeah. So we're back on Earth. And we get a another one of those classic fish out of water scenes where Thor does understand how manners work. And either in a diner, he like drinks some coffee, throws the cup on the ground, asks for another. And they're like, you can't do that. Um, he, hear, he hears that Mjolnir from one of the townspeople. He hears that Mjolnir is about 50 miles away, like to the west in the desert and sets off to reclaim it. I would wonder if being in mid or in Asgard, he doesn't know what west is or what miles are. There's no way he would know what miles are. Yeah. Um, I think all he needs is a direction, though, and he's a man without a plan and doesn't care, and he'll just walk 50 miles. <laughs> he could be in the wrong direction. But yeah. he just needs the arrow. Someone pointed there. Yeah. 
So, so Dr. Eric Selvig is pretty concerned that Thor keeps talking about Norse mythology. He thinks he's crazy and understandably so. Yeah. I wouldn't let this guy drive my female colleague alone 50 miles yes. or rather she drive him. Yeah. Drive so we, him crazy. <laughs> so, so we get uh, Agent Coulson and S.H.I.E.L.D. We got Agent Coulson again. I mean, that's a big deal, right? First time he shows up in a non-Iron Man movie. I was going to put S.H.I.E.L.D. guy because I forgot his name. Oh, I know his name. Come on, man. Do you not even care about Agent Coulson? I mean, this was a big deal. This was a big deal back then. And granted, I didn't see this movie in theaters, but that would have been a big deal if I was in the theaters. Like, holy shit, Agent Coulson, he's from that that other movie. Like the idea of like a cinematic universe was not really something I had really thought of. Um, And so, you know, seeing him you know he was in iron man one and two you know seeing him again would be a pretty big deal anyway shield shows up they take all of jane's shit all of her research and leave because they're bad people yeah they're not great um you know who else isn't great odin loki. he's a real dick <laughs> oh yeah um loki decides that he's the king now um that odin is kind of in this coma or that he's not around um, Thor's friends, they ask for his banishment to end because they're like, Loki, you know, you were with us. You can end this. Loki refuses. He says that he wants to keep continuity with the old administration, <laughs> which is really weird. Um, yeah. But it's a decent enough excuse to keep Thor in exile. Um, Jane, because she now has nothing left to lose, losing her research, she decides to drive Thor out to see Mjolnir. Also, just because you have nothing seemingly left to lose, that doesn't your life. You, yeah, your life. You always have your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jane winds up drooling over Thor for the entire film. I mean, this scene. <laughs> um, I hate Jane. I can't stand Jane. I don't care about Jane because Jane spends the entire Jane's character is that she wants to have sex with Thor, and that's about it. I, and, I think they do but not a great job, but enough of a job to make me not want to say an absolute like that um, of, of like throwing in enough physics stuff to be like, this is my research, but there's not enough. There's not enough of it. Well, so again, I, I had seen this movie many, many times um, like years ago, and I never thought anything of Natalie Portman's character. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought she was fine. I thought she was a good romantic lead. Um, but I, I never considered the, you know, I guess the gender politics of it, but hearing that Natalie Portman didn't want to be in any other MCU films and kind of had some issues with it. I never really ran into that either. Um, and looking at the fact that she came back for love and thunder, I kind of see now why she wanted out. Um, cause her character is written really shittily. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, it's, it's yeah. okay, but it's mainly her drooling about Thor. I think she's actually better in the dark world than she is here and i i don't I, I don't think she's one of the stronger characters of the mcu by any means but i i, I like kind of what this movie through how, how they end her arc in love and thunder um yeah I, I still haven't seen it i'm curious to see it i i'm curious what would get natalie portman to come back i yeah i mean better writing that's that's for damn sure and i'll just you know all I'll say is that i mean she she i don't think she wanted to be in like a re- recurring role like this period after like right. P- Padme Amidala, like I think she was kind of done with that sort of thing. It didn't really matter as much about what it was, but you know, if you're gonna, you know, you get a good pitch, you'll 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 come back, and I think you'll see why she came back. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So we get a, a fun sequence. 
I guess. It's just kind of Thor beating the shit out of everybody. So Thor Which is fun though. Yeah, I mean this place straight up looks like um a Metal Gear Solid 5 base. Like, it looks like Metal Gear Solid Isn't 5 it, specifically Ground Zeroes. The the uh prequel <laughs> yeah. game. <laughs> Doesn't it though? Yeah. 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 Um so he kind of shows up, beats a lot of shield people up. We get thought we get uh Hawkeye who shows up and it, I, I completely forgot he was in this, like I said before. So he he goes in to get Mjolnir by himself. It actually works. He can't lift Mjolnir yet because he's still unworthy, which is a surprise to him and not at all a surprise to anybody. If he was able to lift Mjolnir all of a sudden, I would have been like, I'm done. I'm turning this movie off. Um, I would have hated it too. When him I lifting Mjolnir... Him lifting Mjolnir is the thing you wish for when you're an eight-year-old child and you don't understand how stories work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he is captured by S.H.I.E.L.D. He gets, does he get tased again? I like when he gets yeah, tased uh, the first time. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Which is ironic because he's the god of thunder. Right. And so so S.H.I.E.L.D. thinks that Thor is this like hyper-trained mercenary. Is it's like it's one of those things where like agent colson's interrogating him and he's saying all these things but i'm pretty sure colson actually in the back of his head like doesn't actually think that thor is any of those things that he's something else but either way selvig shows up well loki first shows up and tells thor a bunch of lies tells him that odin's dead tells him that their mom doesn't want him back mom played by renee russo who i don't think has had a single line of dialogue at this point and is barely seen very underutilized. She gets one cool moment near the end, but very underutilized. Yeah, she's got better moments in, in the second one and also in Endgame. But so, yeah, it says the mom doesn't want you back and that the truce uh, with Jotunheim is contingent on him not coming back. Yes. So right after Loki leaves, Coulson shows up and then Selvig shows up and says, starts telling Coulson some lies and saying like, hey, um, you know, you or i guess we should first say loki tries to lift mjolnir too right yes he okay. he does not he fails yeah yeah i guess that should be a given because of loki lifted mjolnir here and succeeded <laughs> would be a wild film wasn't it that would have been i actually really wish it would have gone that way yeah but yeah so so selvig shows up what does he do yeah, so he uh, talks to Coulson and he claims that Thor is one of his colleagues, uh, Dr. Donald Blake. He says Donald Blake, MD. Uh, this is a reference to Thor's original comic book uh, alter ego persona, Dr. Donald Blake, um, who was a medical doctor. So when Coulson says, you know, later, oh, we're physicists, and he says, you said MD, um, it's, it's a little crap. Mm. Uh, but they, he and um, Selvig uh, get a drink at a bar. Selvig convinces Thor to leave Jane alone or tries to convince Thor. I always got the impression that Coulson was letting him go on purpose and having him followed. Absolutely. Um, and they kind of reference that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he does have them followed, but it, I do think he was, he was intentionally. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, what's very interesting is that uh, so Selvig tries to convince Thor to leave Jane alone, leave town. But as they continue to get drunk, Selvig basically changes his mind. And now he loves Thor. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there was a missing scene there where he wins him over or we're just supposed to assume that he drunkenly wins him over. I wish we would have gotten more of them drinking instead of the implication. Yeah, I think especially um, some levity would, would have helped a little yeah. bit. Um, but we have some more backstabbing, speaking of a lack of levity. 
Um, in the Frost Chant world, Loki is visiting Luffy to make a deal. So their deal is that Loki will let the Frost Giants sneak in to kill Odin. Yeah. And Loki and Luffy uh, will have this secret alliance going on. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, Thor and Jane get a scene where Jane like just basically drools all over him. Um, Thor explains the nine realms and kind of draw, literally draws it out for her. Yeah. Um, and she relates it to kind of physics and they have one of those science and magic are the same. <laughs> yep. And so I think this is when Lo, um, does Loki conf, uh, confront Heimdall now or does Heimdall let Thor's friends get back to earth first? I can't remember. Heimdall lets them get to earth first. Okay. Okay. So yeah, so Hamdal lets his friends go back to Earth to to because he's not happy what Loki's doing. Well, because he also wants to know how things are getting into Asgard without him being able to figure out. Yeah, Hamdal not great at his job. Honestly, no. Yeah, I mean, talk about a bad week. He's never failed on the job before, and then all this shit happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Loki decides to send the Destroyer after them. And Loki confronts Heimdall and says, you know, at the Bifrost Bridge, Loki is basically like, yeah, I fucked everybody over. And then Heimdall tries to kill Loki. Loki freezes him mid-swipe. Um, doesn't kill Heimdall, which is stupid. He could have just literally pushed him off the Bifrost Bridge. It's ridiculous. And he doesn't. Come on, yeah. Loki. Yeah. You wanna, it you also wanna... doesn't make sense. Yeah, let's talk about this robot fight. Can you want to talk about your favorite sequence of the movie? My favorite sequence of the movie. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's talk about this robot fight. Let's or, talk about this uh, epic robot fight. Let's talk about this this, epic this robot town fight. looks so much like a film set and a town that sh- that does not exist. It, it, like they just rented a spot in the desert and they built this set. It See, it looks so fake. But again, that's what I mean by like I think it's going for this 1950s alien movie aesthetic. I I guess so. I feel I like that wasn't. I think it is. I feel like that was never mentioned by anyone ever in it all the discourse my, of this movie. I, I think you're right. No, no, no. I'm not saying that to to say that your theory is stupid. I, I think that's a pretty good theory. I'm just I'm like shocked that it ha- wasn't mentioned. It seems very viable to me. Yeah. Um, so we get this, the day the earth stood still robot. I, I called it the Klaatu automaton. Um, but basically he, he's coming out big and bold. He's shooting lasers out of his face and he's blowing stuff up. Um, Thor realizes that he can't do anything to physically fight this, this robot. Um, his friends, the warriors three and Sif, they get their asses rocked. Can we talk about how <laughs> summarily they get defeated? They get, I mean, those, <sighs> I, if I was playing one of those characters and I like saw the script and I saw like what my lines were, how many scenes I'm in and then what happens, I would have been like, this is just awful. I mean, I need a paycheck, but man, what am I even doing here? And this is before the MCU was a known quantity. Right now you could be a like background extra on the MCU and people would kill you for it. <laughs> um, yeah. Back then a named character in an MCU film. Yeah. No one knew. No one knew what that could mean. Yep. Um, but yeah, so they get summarily just the shit handed to them. <laughs> um, so Thor realizes that they're going to lose. And so he he gives himself up because part of the deal also is that Loki is hurting innocent people. He is purposely targeting innocent people, 
which pushes him over the edge from like edgy anti-hero into straight up bad guy mm-hmm. which is so stupid because i feel like so many plots do that they have like a, it feels a, unearned edgy, here it feels unearned it does feel unearned unearned especially with the heimdall thing because they could have killed heimdall they could have had him kill heimdall and then he crosses the point of no return he's killed someone they care about but here they just have him arbitrarily target innocent people so that he's yeah you know, so- you know i take it back like i mean i guess when I, I called it stupid that he doesn't kill Heimdall, and and if you think about the fact that he's also going to be later than targeting innocent people, sure, it is stupid. But I think the Loki, who's more of like the antihero, as opposed to like straight up villain, I guess that you know the movies eventually have like a more of a descent into being a full on villain. But I think that it would have it's more consistent with him not killing Heimdall for him not to be k- killing innocent people. I don't know. It's just. I would have rather have not have been killing innocent people, just have this thing, maybe collateral damage and such, but yeah, like a I guess it's part of, it's part of more, it, maybe it's just the whole, like, you know, the gods don't give a shit about humans. I mean, in Norse mythology, don't the, the, don't the gods just absolutely fuck with humans yeah. so much? I, I mean, to be fair, Loki's speech in Avengers makes pretty clear his feelings. So sure. Yeah. 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 Um, but Thor, as you, as you mentioned earlier, he heroically gives himself up. Um, so that Loki will stop hurting innocent people. He apologizes for everything he's done. He says he truly wants peace now. Um, and then he he's killed. He dies. He gets like um, backhanded. And then like, you're supposed to believe that he's dying or dead. I thought it was yeah. ridiculous. It's very ridiculous, but, but it works. Loki changes his ways. Jane moves on with her life, but <laughs> she understands the lesson that she was taught. No, no, no. Uh, Mjolnir flies back into his hand. He's struck by lightning. He's worthy once again. He gets his cool Thor costume back with his red cape. Um, He defeats the giant. He gets some smolder time with old Jane. um, And he treks back off to Asgard to finish the film. (laughs) He does promise he'll come back for Jane. They do get a little kiss. Did you like my brief synopsis of the end of this this robot battle? Yeah, I did. I, I quite enjoyed it. Do you want me to handle my favorite yeah. part? No, I, mean, I don't actually hate this part. But so in Asgard, Loki has let the Frost Giants in to assassinate Odin. And Heimdall breaks out of the ice, seemingly by screaming. Yes. Also, were you thinking about how annoying it would be to not be able to blink your eyes frozen in ice? Sure would. I think uh, also it would be really... Um, uncomfortable to have your eyeballs touching cold ice yeah i'm not really sure how this works but is there like a little pocket in there for you to like kind of breathe a little bit i don't understand i would think not but he breaks out the ice lets thor and sif and the warrior three back in asgard loki kills laufey double crossing him nice old double cross and saving odin this is a really stupid plan no, it's it's really not. I was thinking about it. It's not stupid. It's not stupid um, because uh, the, maybe it's just because the audience know. It seems stupid because the audience knows that Thor is already there and he's about to blow up Loki's story. But I I could have sworn that Loki knew by this point that Thor was alive, and that alone. Oh, you know, he knows he knows Thor is alive because he saw him on Earth. Right, I mean, I'm assuming Hamdal can't get them back, but even then, I just feel like if there's any possible chance, any evidence that someone is still alive that could completely blow up your story, why? I don't know. I mean, I guess he has to do it. His back's to the wall, right? He's got to. This is his plan. I mean, he's got to go through with it. I don't know what else he's going to do besides 
kill Odin, but. Well, I mean, my thought with it is that um, it's, it's a plan that will work for all the rubes in Asgard. Like everyone will believe that if they find Lothar's dead body in Odin's room, it's about the people. Everyone will assume that Loki saved him and killed Lothar. Like why wouldn't any, why would anyone assume otherwise? That's true. That's true. Um, and it's win-win because if it doesn't work out and Lafayette has to get away for some reason, you know, that's fine too. Right. Right. And so he basically yeah. tells the, you know, he saves Odin, but immediately Thor shows up. Uh, and is like, Loki, Which, yeah. son of a bitch. I mean, the, time, the timing is <laughs> the terrible. The timing is terrible. Terrible timing. Okay plan. Yeah. And so Loki decides to use the power of the Bifrost to kill all the frost giants, you know, to supposedly defend Asgard. And Thor and Loki have this fight at the end of the Bifrost bridge that Thor wins because of course he does. It's like, yeah, it's humiliating. I I forgot about how bad this fight was. And in my head, I'm like, Oh yeah, I bet Loki's going to like do all this crazy stuff. And no, not really. It's it's really bad. I mean, this, this movie is one big, like anti-climax for the most part. Yeah. And so Thor decides to, I I do like the moment when Loki is fallen and Thor puts his hammer, just like places his hammer on on Loki's chest so he can't get up. Yes. that I like like that. that. Oh, I like all hammer stuff. But so Thor decides to break the Bifrost, ah, break the Bifrost bridge. Man, that's hard. Uh, To disconnect uh, Asgard from all the other worlds, including Earth. So bye-bye Jane in order to save the Frost Giants. And the the bridge breaks and like the little by end of the Bifrost Bi- bridge falls into the void and Loki and Thor are about to, but Odin shows up and grabs held of Thor. Thor is holding on to Loki. Loki of his own will falls into the void himself rather than let Thor and Odin save him. Obviously we know Loki's not actually going to die. Um, Thor rejects kingship from Odin saying he still has much to learn. I roll. I mean, obviously, but also I roll. And yeah, we close with Thor asking Hamdahl if he can see Jane. Uh, he says he can. He says that she's searching for you. And he vows to return to her. Yes. And then we get the post credit scene, which is Nick Fury showing Dr. Selvig the Tesseract. And Loki is an invisible and is seemingly controlling Selvig, or at least just mimicking what Selvig's about to say seemingly controlling him seemingly i guess because we see him in the mirror it's but he is but he isn't at the beginning of avengers like selvig is not being controlled but then he eventually becomes controlled by loki using the power of that staff you know let's let's do the avengers next week let's get into it no we're gonna take a hundred episode (laughs) break from marvel movies (laughs) yes Um, we're gonna gonna do the shadow with billy billy zane oh we gotta get some zane action in here (laughs) um what works about this at least to you what what does work because i think some things do i i like most of the earth scenes uh as i said uh i am i like natalie portman in general and that's enough for me despite the character not being as well written as i wish she was uh loki is great uh anthony hopkins is good i like fish out of water stuff generally i mean it doesn't always work for me but they're they're quite a few movies i would say probably it it would work for me um i like that the the movie's only two hours that's good i don't think i could have taken another 20 minutes of this movie it would have been pretty pretty bad um (laughs) 
what uh, what works for you? Uh, you know, we didn't mention it, but I'm going to say the score, uh, is actually kind of stirring at times. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you noticed it at all. I did not. It didn't really. Well, if you didn't notice it, that means it was at least okay. Um, I noticed it a couple of times, um, and it did perk me up. I like Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I like Natalie Portman. I just can't handle just what they did with her character in terms of making her spend basically the whole movie drooling over Thor. I know she gets some science departs, but it basically feels like she connects with him only on a like, oh my God, this guy is so hot way. It doesn't really feel like she connects with him in any other way. So again, I love seeing Ellie Portman, mm-hmm. but I'm going to put her in what doesn't work. Okay. Tom Hiddleston as Loki um, absolutely works. I love the Asgard stuff. I love the heightened Shakespearean um, angle of it. I think the Earth stuff would work if they really leaned harder into the like 1950s sci-fi alien movie angle. Mm. If that's even what they were doing, I don't know if they were. Yeah. Um, but I think if they leaned into Dutch angles there, I think if they leaned into it looking more like a very basic 50s sci-fi set, um, it could have been something like different, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and what doesn't work that I think maybe they were trying to set up grand-wise in the MCU is um, I don't think it works as presenting different genres being really viable. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it doesn't really work because they wanted this like heightened Shakespearean story that also was somehow a grounded superhero movie. And it, it just, it couldn't do it. it couldn't do both. Yeah. I'm, I'm more on like the Asgard scenes don't work overall for me. I'm not a fan of the Shakespearean stuff as much like the self-entitled immature thor drives me nuts it's only until when he gets on earth that i think he's tolerable i like goofy thor with a sense of humor as we talked about dutch angles get him out of here sick of him doesn't work and i think this it, this movie did not work as a way to introduce thor into the mcu i don't think thor was remotely cool until avengers yeah but i mean if you think about it it was this and the avengers and i think all they needed to do is not make you think Thor is cool, make you know who Thor is. Because I think Thor becomes, at least from Thor 1 to Avengers, becomes much cooler. It, but it's a multi-million dollar movie that's supposed to sell Thor toys and make you care about Thor. I mean, you, you absolutely need to succeed in making Thor seem cool. And I think that they don't. Well, the joke's on us because they're on movie like 25 now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean he looked, he's cool now. Like, But back then, like the goal of this movie was to make your main character seem interesting and make people excited to see them in other movies. And for me, that did not work. Who you didn't have a, you didn't have a Thor lunchbox. We were like 22 <laughs> years old when this came out, <laughs> 21 Stop years it. old or something. 20, 2011. Come on. Yeah. Um, all right. Did we do what works and what doesn't for both of us? Yeah. Yeah. All right. How would you do this as a game? Oh, I know exactly the game I want. And it's it's kind of the first thing I thought of when you said a game earlier is give me a cheesy Activision like Ubisoft early, early, early 2000s GameCube PS2 era graphics game like Spider-Man 1 and 2. Like give me some bad voice acting with some attempts to do realistic faces, but failing at it. Like I got like Spider-Man 1 and 2. What else is from that era? Like. Uh, the, like one of the Hulk there's a Hulk game like Batman Rise of Shinsu like come on give me that's what I want just like a like a beat em up with like Thor powers where you basically only get like three buttons to do Thor powers and yeah 
Okay. That's what, that's what right. I want. What about you? There was a there was a Wolverine game that was kind of that. It was basically just Wolverine doing Wolverine shit and that's you know, that's what I wanted here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was that era, so it would have worked. Yeah. Um I've been playing a lot of uh Lego Marvel Superheroes 2. Um <laughs> I I never which, finished that. Yeah, I I never I I bought it forever ago because it was on sale. Same. I've actually been playing it. Um it's charming and cute. And I would love just a Lego Thor game um, simply because like the Lego games are charming enough and they're easy, but they're also very competently made and they can tell really fun little stories um, like in a short gameplay span. So I would love like a Lego Thor where it's just all sorts of goofy characters and entries from Thor's various adventures in the comics and the movies Mm -hmm. and everything. That works. Yeah. Yeah. Do you or, want to live in this world? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Or a text-heavy uh, visual novel adventure. You know, it's funny that you say that. The thought, like, actually kind of crossed my mind it, where it's like, but you're you're Jane and you're, like, doing things from Jane's perspective and trying to, like, learn about the Nine Realms and, like, find out where Thor came from, figure out who he is. You have to ask him the right questions to learn about, like, where he's... But then that, 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 that I realized that'd be really boring so i imagine you have a better better way to do it unless you were joking <laughs> entirely in which case the joke's on me i was joking entirely but now i like the idea of like a phoenix right alike yeah you collect pieces of evidence that thor is from another world or various little mini mysteries yeah. you have to solve. meanwhile like volstag's doing a little uh sherlock holmes work like up in asgard and trying to figure out who uh, or heimdall is and he's trying to figure out how the frost giants got in I'll reach out to uh, I'll reach out to Marvel. Cool, thank you. thank you. We'll see what we can get going. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you want to live in this world? Absolutely. Well, no, actually, no. Um, <laughs> 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 what? I really, I really flip flop on that one, didn't I? You really did. Um, mm-hmm. Why not? It's the standard superhero universe answer. One, it's cool that superheroes exist. But two, the odds are you would just be collateral damage. Yeah, I, I was originally I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought like, no, I don't want to live in a world where Thanos could show up. But if you ignore all that and you just treat it as, hey, Asgard exists, I'm be, I, that might be kind of cool. I might just assume that I won't die. What are the chances of Earth getting destroyed? If all we know is that like Thor exists, I think I could be OK with that. All right. I mean, ignorance is bliss. Uh, yeah we're on we're on opposite sides this time from where we usually are i'm usually like an automatic no i mean my my immediate gut instinct was no because i've thought about the larger superhero world but if you isolate at and only make it like would you want to live in a world where asgard is a real place like in a universe where asgard is a real place sure that that could be that could be cool but i guess that's not really the question so maybe my answer really is no (laughs) see we both we both come full circle with our answers yeah um okay i'm going to name a a bunch of different um things that thor has crossed over with in terms of fan fiction i'm gonna give you a list okay okay and then i'm gonna give you a list of um characters that he has not crossed over with all right so we got boardwalk empire hbo's boardwalk empire (laughs) Okay. 
We got Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. (laughs) We've got Bones. Bones As in Emily Deschanel Bones. We got Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. We've got Aladdin. We've got Steven Spielberg's War Horse. Okay, that actually (laughs) makes a weird amount of sense. And we've got Hannibal. And Ooh. Hannibal is the one that we're going to talk about because I, I need some questions answered. You are a bunch deeper in the world of fan fiction and probably understand something about this that I do not. Do you know who there is no crossovers with? There are Kingdom no crossovers. Or Sonic. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts or Sonic. None. That's and shocking. Shocking to me. So, okay. <laughs> this is the Hannibal crossover. There's only one. It's very odd. It is only with Darcy. And it is Darcy and Hannibal. And it is called Day Six Dash Height Difference Hands AU. I don't know what was going on here. And then the 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 little like blurb says it's supposed to be height difference, but I went with the more not letting go part. They're on a senior class trip and Darcy always had a tendency of wandering off and he doesn't like that. (laughs) Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. This this day six might be like the author was like doing a fan fiction a day challenge or something or like a short story a day. It, It is literally the entire thing is that Hannibal is like telling her that she's always running away. And so he squeezes her hand tighter and tells her she's don't get lost. And she's like, I'm not going to get lost. And then he lets go of her hand to let her go. And then she grips his tight and says, I don't want to lose you. And he returns, <laughs> he returns her grip and says, you won't. He smiled at her and kissed the top of her head before leading him, leading it uh, into the restaurant throughout the whole meal. They held hands. And that's the end of it. Okay. Is there a height difference handholding like sub community of fan fiction or like fetish that I am unfamiliar with? Or are you completely at a loss? Can I tell you that height differences played into mine? Yeah, I'm thrilled to hear that. Okay, okay. Then maybe it's the same person. Um, my plan today was to look up the most uh concurrent to when the film came out fan fiction that, that was my that was my goal as well and i should i should clarify that i read quite a handful of actual like real fan fiction that wasn't crossover fan fiction that was around this time like it wasn't like larger thor universe like not thor 4 stuff or anything like that and it was all pretty boring from what i found it was, it was a lot of like darcy and selwig and jane talking shop or like Thor <laughs> having a conversation with Selwig about drinking. It was just very uninteresting stuff. But what what did you find? Uh, did you find the one called Tricksters Anonymous? Uh, so I, I passed that one over. I saw the title and I remember reading the blurb, but I don't remember what it was exactly. Okay, so the blurb is a crossover with Supernatural. Um, and in the blurb, it says that it gets a little slashy. Now, slash fiction, <laughs> to those that you don't know, is where two typically straight characters hook up in a fan fiction, typically in like a gay sex scenario, okay? Slash fiction. So normally I try and avoid the dirty stuff sometimes, but this time I just picked it because it was very concurrent to when the film came out. So author's note, 
This is written for Neo Toma, who wanted movie Loki and Gabriel from Supernatural. Okay. Dash pissing contest. Oh my which God. Which didn't quite turn out that way, but dot, dot, dot. Okay. So, um, is it I'll a metaphorical read... pissing contest? Yes. So, okay. Um, Sam wonders what Gabriel's gotten up to this time, barely even noticing that the man he was sharing the sofa with got to his feet the same time he did. Ha! Gabriel crowed triumphantly and shook his free arm free. Told you mine was bigger, which was all the warning Sam gets before finding himself back in the sofa with his lap full of grinning archangel. Taller, perhaps, the stranger concurs with a matching grin. But bigger? Surely that remains to be seen. He continues and wraps a possessive arm around the tall blonde man's neck. Yada, yada, yada. Um, authors note too, this fic was brought to you by the fact that according to IMDb, Jared Pal- Padalecki is an entire two centimeters taller than Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> That's well, it. Wow. It's about, it's 600 words long. It's about these supernatural characters meeting Chris, Chris Hemsworth and Loki at this interdimensional meeting. And that, Chris Hemsworth is uh, two centimeters shorter than Jared Padalecki. Okay. That's That's all. That's it. That's all it is. Are you glad that this fan fiction exists? I'm, I feel really robbed that it's called slash fic or implies slash fic when that doesn't happen. Hmm. Also, they promised a pissing contest, which to be fair, I'm glad I didn't read about, but it really sets expectations. Who was the author of this? Uh, One. I-R-I-A-D. Okay, that's not... Oniriad. Not the same one as mine. No. Um, They write a lot. Hmm. Oniriad's got a lot going on. So... Oh my goodness. Okay, I've just just seen... uh, I've I've got a live development here. Oh, please. With the author of the fan fiction, the Hannibal Darcy fan fiction. It appears that <laughs> this person has written quite a lot of fan fiction about Darcy. Um, really? Like a lot. Possibly all of the so- all of the things are about Darcy. I'm scrolling up now. <laughs> um, she, okay. This person has not mentioned Darcy at all in their bio. But I'm going to just now show you some of these. Uh, so they have 217 stories. Okay. That's a lot of stories. Yeah. Yeah. So the like basically all like, more than half of these blurbs, well, far more than half are start with Darcy something. Um, we got a Darcy Doctor Who crossover. We've got <laughs> Darcy Star Trek 2009. We've got Darcy with Transformers Age of Extinction. We've got Kingsman. Darcy needs Eggsy's help. <laughs> okay. Um, we've got a sequel to the movie Ghost, it seems. Or maybe, oh, wait, no. Okay. So says that's her own story called Ghost. I don't know why I'm thinking this is a woman. I don't know. Uh, it's, a, it's actually it's a Doctor Who one. So let's see. Um, Yeah, yeah. This is a, a. It's just, it's just. Uh, George Kirk fell back in time to 2014, and Darcy Lewis is not taking any of his shit. Oh boy, I am 
so, so intrigued by this. What do you think happened to this person? Uh, like just in their life to make them love Darcy this much? And where are they now? Oh, <laughs> yes. I, I they, That must have happened. But so did you ever wonder what it would be like for um, Hugh of MI6 to flirt with Darcy? You know, I've never wondered that. I don't care at all. This one is called Q is for Q, a James Bond and Thor crossover. Q and Darcy flirt with each other. A cute little one shot. I will not read it, but it exists in case you needed to know. This is, we should have just done a Darcy episode. I mean, we easily, we could do a Darcy spinoff podcast. Yeah. Darcy and the show Lucifer, Darcy and Candyman. Now, do you think there's a Darcy shared universe? Like, is she playing both Lucifer and Candyman off of each other? Like, do they exist continuously? All I or know, are they their own isolated stories. This person, there's no way that they can have a shared universe of 217 stories that all seemingly involve Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> but if they've succeeded, no, they probably pulled off something that only Kevin Feige could pull off, and probably not even Kevin Feige. <laughs> what i'm saying is that they should hire this person blinded kit i don't know who you are but i think you might be onto something can you please send me that profile in an email after the show <laughs> i absolutely will do that Thank you. uh you want to um, tell me what you've been up to or do you have another fan fiction no i would just say i think this is worthy of fan fiction right i think all comics oh are fan yeah fiction. Um, I would say my fan fiction personally would be give me give me more Asgard stuff. Give me all Asgard. Forget the, forget Earth. Don't care. You know what? I'll I'll take Asgard stuff. Just make it more interesting. All right, I get that. I understand. Right, man. Yeah, better dialogue or something. I don't know. Speaking of better dialogue in Asgard, how have you been? I've been good. I've been <laughs> uh, I've been good. Uh, Chipping away at One Piece, but very slowly. Kind of, I haven't watched that much in the last couple of weeks. Um, Dress Rosa Saga is very interesting so far, but dragging a bit. And yeah. yeah, which I think you did warn me about. I saw two movies. Well, I've saw a bunch of movies, but I'll, I'll, there's two movies I saw for the first time. One is a classic, and it's by that director that I don't like, Rob Reiner. I oh, saw When okay. Harry Met Sally for the first time. I thought it was... You've never seen When Harry Met Sally? I had never seen it. I feel like I had seen so much of it just from, like, consuming... Because it's so... It, like, created so many... It, like, spun off, like, a whole genre of movies. And there's so many famous lines from it that there were times during it where I was like, have I seen this? But I'm, I don't think I've ever... I had ever seen it before. And it was, it was quite delightful. It was very good. I think none of that has anything to do with Rob Reiner. It has everything to do with Meg Ryan, <laughs> Billy Crystal, and Nora Ephron, who writes great dialogue. I don't think Rob, Rob, Rob anyone could have directed this movie. There's like nothing to it. So I came prepared to talk shit about Rob Reiner. Um, yeah. And I watched a movie called Secret Sunshine, which is directed by Lee Cheng Dong, who is the director of a movie, one of my favorite movies of the last like 20 plus years burning uh it's I, I recommend this movie it's 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 a, it feels longer than it actually is because it is a little bit slow moving movie it's about this woman who moves to a, a small town in korea with her son after having tragically lost her husband and another tragedy um befalls her and it's kind of about how she copes with that 
it's kind of a movie about faith and human nature and grief and uh i i i thought it was very interesting kind of tackled those subjects in a way that felt new to me okay i like that how about you are you ready well first should we do thor one versus iron man one corner oh right we got to do that well let's 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 end with that just what do you what have you been up to and then uh let's close with that all right all right i like that um, I have been playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It of did course. finally come out. Of course. I've been finally getting into that. I also bought Digimon Survive on the same day. I fucking knew you would. Because it exists. <laughs> because it exists. Um, because it exists. Uh, I've been playing Digimon Survive. I'm playing, I'm probably about like six to seven hours into both of them. Um, and Digimon Survive, I'm going to put off just because I'm more compelled by the visual novel aspect of it than I am by the actual gameplay. The uh, SRPG gameplay is very basic, um, but I'm I'm involved in the story, but I can't be in Xenoblade and Digimon Survive at the same time. So <laughs> I think I'm going to put that down and focus on Xenoblade. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, uh, reading. Yeah, not really been doing a lot of reading. Put down Jujutsu Kaisen just for the moment uh, because, again, Xenoblade came out. And then just uh, just working. Um, nice. So, yeah, not not too much about me. Nice. Um, so should we? What do you, should we do this? Should we fight our Pokemon? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to muster the strength to, to argue with you about this because you clearly want to fight. <laughs> I'm just gonna say I think it had to do with when I saw it, but mm-hmm. I think I found Tony Stark to be a very poor man's Bruce Wayne, even though he's a very rich man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's what turned me off to Iron Man. Whereas I think Thor is just so different from that. And especially for the time, so different from any other superhero thing going on at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciated it. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I think that Tony Stark was immediately, like the vibe of Iron Man felt so different than Batman Begins and Dark Knight. It just had like a a humor and like you got, you know, Robert Downey cracking wise that there's just this level, this kind of like heightened world despite the, the real stakes in the movie there's a little more of this heightened world and and kind of the performances really kind of it, i never really it, it fully distinguished itself from 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 batman it didn't or didn't, didn't make me feel like tony stark was kind of like a like ripping off batman or anything like that i mean i think tony stark became one of my favorite marvel characters because of that movie Whereas, like I said before, I really only cared about the likes of Spider-Man and Daredevil. But if, I mean, I saw Iron Man. I knew about Iron Man from comics and and from Iron Man crossovers with Spider-Man the animated series and things like that. But um, yeah, it really. I think I was it, I, looking back. I think it's it's it was a really really interesting, really bold choice. Is like kind of the start of the MCU, but I think it works. Yeah, I guess um, I guess mine was just recency bias. Sure. I just, for whatever reason to me, he seemed very Bruce Wayne, not personality wise, but just, oh, it's a rich guy who builds a thing that helps him fight crime. And I think I was just kind of done with that idea, probably because of the sub part, like Spider-Man 3 had come out, you know, there were some pretty, X-Men 3 had come out, there were some pretty subpar examples of that going on. And I think I was just turned off to the idea until something really bizarre like Thor kind of caught my attention again. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not gonna fight you. So that's man. it. 
We're on Apple Podcasts now. Goodbye. We're on Apple Podcasts now.